Hey, what's up, guys? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studio. Today is Saturday, April 13th. Thank you for joining the show again. It's just Quentin back. I think Courtney will be in next week, and our schedules are finally going to get going to get lined up. But until then, you guys are stuck with my annoying solo voice. So thanks for tuning in. We're going to dig into a little bit of baseball, man. I hope everybody had a phenomenal week. I hope your teams did pretty good. Um, I don't know how the Cubs did this past week. I think they kind of just did their thing. I know Jose Quintana and Cole Hamels went seven and eight innings respectively. So things are starting to look up for Chicago Cubs fans. You know, I'm still going to continue to drink copious amounts of old style beer because it's summer. So what else am I going to do with my life? But yeah, let's dig into some stuff. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Hold that thought. I... (laughs) You know, let's go into the MLB power rankings, actually. So I um Okay. So I'm looking at the MLB standings and looking at baseball references page for like team stats because I've been seeing a lot of power rankings out there. I'm like, well, let me see, you know, who do I think are the five best teams? You know, what take can I mess up again? <laughs> and you know, let's, let's just see what's out there because I, I would like to give some awful information if at all possible. So I'm looking at the stats and I'm like, the two best teams in baseball right now, as crazy as it sounds, looks like the Tampa Bay race and the Seattle Mariners. I'm Listen, guys, I'm just as blown away as you are <laughs> that the Rays and the Mariners are just so damn good. And it turns out like the Mariners have a phenomenally potent offense led by guys like Tim Beckham, D Gordon, uh I mean like Jay Bruce is like slugging like the team is great. It's it's something wild. So like the Mariners, I ran these numbers I think like a day ago. The Seattle Mariners are scoring the most runs per game in all of baseball. They have the highest OPS plus They have more home runs than anyone that has hit in Major League Baseball. And I don't think the margin's super close. I think the second place team has hit like 10 less home runs than the Seattle Mariners, right? But also on top of that, I um, the Mariners through their first 15 games had hit a home run in every game. So 15 straight games to start the season, they've hit a home run. And the previous record was only... Of 14 games, right? So they had just broke the record. So I'm mid Game of Thrones binge last night. I watched I watched Game of Thrones yesterday from 6.30 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. <laughs> we'll talk about my Netflix binging abilities later. You know, I feel really good and really bad about that at the same time. But in between episodes, I had to check scores. So I'm like, dude, what's going on? And one of the things I was checking was like, <laughs> every night I check if Chris Davis has got a hit and if the Seattle Mariners have hit a home run and if Tommy Pham has got on base. Like Those are the three things like I'm jumping on right now. So the first thing I check was, um, I had actually, I had already checked Chris Davis. Chris Davis did not get a hit. So he's currently 0 for 54. That's not good, right? That's not the goal of baseball. And I go to the Mariners game, and it's the bottom of the ninth, and they're losing like 10 to 3, I think, and nobody's hit a home run. So I'm like, well, I got to tune into this game because the bottom of the ninth, I want to see if they keep the streak alive. So I turn on the game. I get it on my phone because I can't. 
I cannot compromise my Game of Thrones streaming on my HBO app on my TV. So I, I bring up the game on my phone and a guy is up to bat and his name is Tom Murphy. That, that's it, Tom Murphy. He sounds like a high school principal, right? Or like the accountant you go to to get your business taxes done. I don't know who Tom Murphy is, but he's a catcher for the Seattle Mariners, whatever. Listen, I shit you not, the guy bombed a home run to left field, and now the Mariners have hit 16 home runs in 16 games this season. No, no, they've hit more than 16 home runs. What I'm saying is... <laughs> they've hit a home run in all 16 games this season. And like, I kid you not, it happened again. And Tom Murphy, you blessed soul, whoever you are, you kept the streak alive and we commend you for it. But, you know, the Mariners lost last night. So they have a record now of 13 and three, which is the record of, you know, of a team that could likely win the Super Bowl. So 13 and three is a phenomenal clip. If you're a football team, it's amazing if you're a baseball team. That's, what is that win percentage? It's like 780 or something like that. Like, it's pretty wild. And, like, their team, dude, there's a lot of wild stuff going on with it. But there's also a lot of stuff not to sleep on. So, when I'm going through these power rankings and all these teams that, you know, are not really what you expected in the Mariners and the Rays, like, the first question that comes to mind is this. Like, are these teams the real deal? Like, can they hold up? Well, okay, let's unpack that right now. I think I have the decisions in my head about the Mariners and the Rays, but let's find out. So the Seattle Mariners, dude, they're getting a pretty good season out of Jay Bruce right now. He's already hit seven home runs, but he only bats a buck 92. So he's essentially Ricky Bobby, right? Like, if you're not first, you're last. I'm on fire. I'm running around the racetrack in my underwear, praying to Oprah Winfrey and Tom Cruise to put the fire out on my body, right? So those aren't great things. My favorite thing about the Seattle Mariners team is the dynamic in the clubhouse. So I was watching Intentional Talk the other day, and it's like D. Gordon and Tim Beckham, bro, they're having so much fun in the clubhouse. And the reason why, like, I take that into such high regard when it comes to, you know, asking the question if is if this team is real or not is because baseball is not an athletic sport that you can will yourself to do great. It's not like a powerlifting competition. It's not playing football and it's not playing basketball. And so there's so much this mental game to it. And if, if, you know, if everything's running right up top in the athlete's mind, when you're a baseball player, you can essentially turn into a super Saiyan like Goku and do way better than what anyone thought you could ever do. And so a lot of the Mariners success, I really do attribute to Scott service and all of Seattle Mariners organization to creating this place. That's really fun to play and surrounding the team with a bunch of really good guys on there. You know, I'm not saying that this is like the 04 Red Sox where you get a bunch of, you know, you sign a few bums that no one's ever heard of and you create this dynamic in the clubhouse. But it's, it has some of that flavor in there, right? Because you have Domingo Santana, who was a leftover from the Milwaukee Brewers last season. They just didn't have room to play him. But at one point, if I'm not mistaken, was a number one prospect in the Astro system. Right. And th those same Astros that have like Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve and like George Springer. Right. OK, that's a good dude. 
like Tim Beckham was a was a former number one overall pick. D. Gordon's won a batting title. Jay Bruce has been a dominant force in the past. Malik Smith, it's like Alex with an M in the front of it. He came out of the Atlanta Braves system. I've seen him play in person, and I've seen him play a lot on TV because I don't have a life. So I just watch baseball and apparently Game of Thrones till 4.30 a.m. Like Malik Smith is a good dude. He can steal a base. He's a hustler. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, so like there are guys on this team, you know, Ryan Healy, I feel like put up pretty decent numbers last season. He's, you know, he plays the uh, hot corner for the Seattle Mariners. And last season, dude, he put up, he had 24 home runs last year and 25 the year before, dude. It's a guy that hit for power. You know, he, he's, he's sort of like a poor man's Adam Dunn in the sense of like his, he's about, I guess, a league average hitter when you look at it on paper, but he can throw a little bit of power out there. So he's like half of an Adam Dunn, basically defense wise, he kind of sucks, but you know, he's still young. I think the guy's like 27 is how Ryan Healy is. It was like, whatever, dude. And then also, dude, they got, man, I'm telling you, dude. You know, like Bartolo Colon, right? He's got a physique that a lot of people enjoy to see, right? He's big sexy. He's a good dude. So um, Bartolo Colon has not signed with a Major League Baseball team and probably won't, man. I don't think he has much in the tank. And I'm fully, fully convinced that Bartolo Colon's baseball soul has been reincarnated and implanted in a gentleman by the name of Daniel Vogelbach, who was out of the Cubs system, who the Cubs sent to the Mariners a couple years ago for, like, Mike Montgomery. When they got Mike Montgomery, and I don't know if he was ever, like, a super high prospect, but I know two years ago I was watching a Chicago White Sox broadcast where they were playing the Mariners, and Dan Vogelbach was playing first base, and Hawk Harrelson and Tom Pachorek looked at Daniel Vogelbach, and they're like, that's a, that's a husky dude over there. And to which Tom Pachorek added, he looks like he is giving his uniform a stress test. He's a big boy. He's a husky dude, man. You know, he looks like, um, he kind of looks like Paul Bunyan's brother, who's like a little shorter and like a tad bit wider. And I mean, hey, man, you know, he, you're a baseball player. He looks like just a little Babe Ruth, man. It's great. And right now, I mean, he's had dude, like 30 at-bats this season. Dude, he's batting 400, right? He's slugging 11.33. He's hit six home runs in 30 at-bats, right? And this is a young kid who, like, I think before this season, last season was the first year where he really got a lot of everyday playing time because if you were a prospect in the Cubs organization, you're just blocked by everybody because of the Chicago Cubs and they had a lot of top prospects, dude. He's listed at six feet 250, man, but honest to God, he doesn't look a pound under 275. I don't say this to make fun of the guy. I want you to get an envision of him in your head, man. And, you know, I look at the build on Daniel Vogelback, man, and he, he looks like a big, strong guy. Um, he, he doesn't look like your athletic baseball player, but he looks athletic. He looks like he plays football. His neck and his head are like almost as wide as his shoulders. And I think what we're seeing this this year, right, is maybe his bat-to-ball uh, situation really start to play out to where he's going to hit a pretty good amount of home runs. Because last year, ooh, actually, I take that back. Last year, he only had 87 at-bats. And in those 87 at-bats, he hit four home runs. 
Well, this year he's had 30 at-bats and has already hit six home runs. So if you look at a guy like Daniel Vogelback, who could be entering, you know, he's entering his prime years because he's just about 26 years old right now. He'll be 27 after the baseball season's over in December. And this is a bat where, honestly, I, I don't know, man, you might end up keeping an eye on this guy. You look at guys that we've seen in the past that have really come out and put up power numbers like a Max Muncy. Nope, he wasn't on anybody's radar, and then he was in the home run derby last year doing pretty good and had a good season. And so I look at Daniel Vogelback, and I'm like, dude, that could be the Mariners' Max Muncy. Well, you might have a guy here who can finish this season, you know, hitting 30, 35 home runs, and um, you're, you know, you're paying him league minimum. So the Mariners do have good things going out for him. It's the pitching that, like, I'm super concerned with. So my answer for the Mariners is, like, no, I don't think they're the real deal, and I don't think they can hold up to it. But I do know this. They they have young arms on their pitching staff, right? Felix Hernandez is probably washed up, but I don't know if he is or isn't, right? So he's still pitching for him. I think he started a couple games this season. Wade LeBlanc, man, he's your 34-year-old junk baller, dude. He's sort of like the Tim Wakefield of the team. Like, you don't know what he's going to give you. He's like Charlie Huff. And I don't know, man. You know, he might give you seven innings to shut out ball, then the next time go two innings and give you like seven earned runs. Those things could be bad. Mike Leak, dude, Mike Leak was a big-time guy in the St. Louis Cardinals system. He was, a, he was a seventh rounder, but he's had good seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, hell, his age 29 season with the Mariners – Oh, no, that was a total age 29 season between the Mariners and the Cardinals because the Cardinals shipped him off. Dude, he finished his 2017 with a, a 108 ERA plus, which is what Dallas Keuchel finished with last year, right? And people are like, why doesn't Dallas Keuchel have a team? Last year with the Mariners, dude, he wasn't a league average pitcher, but this year he might. He's pitching like it through his first three starts. And just because the back of his baseball card like might tell me like, he might not be good anymore. I just always lean back to the dynamic that the clubhouse is building. And you look at a guy like Mike Leak, and that might sort of work, you know? And then Marco Gonzalez, they get a 27-year-old Marco Gonzalez, who's already thrown 25 innings this year through four starts. He's 4-0. He's um, he's pitching to a 134 ERA plus, and he's not, like, he's not really walking a ton of guys, dude, strikeout-wise. He, um... I don't know if I have his strikeout numbers in front of me or not. Uh, Must not. He's got 16 strikeouts through 25 innings. So he's a contact guy, which sort of tells me right now if he can if he can pitch, if he can continue to pitch the contact and keep an ERA like around or just above three, that's going to be pretty good for this Mariners team because their bullpen, you know, they sort of traded off some guys last year, really mo- mostly Edwin Diaz, who is the best closer in all of baseball. So, obviously, he's not in the mix. So, if you can get good starts from your starters, that would be a pretty good thing. And then, also, they signed a Japanese star by the name of UC Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Let's just call him Kikuchi. Kikuchi has started four games this season. He's got a 4.15 ERA. Doesn't um, have a decision or whatever. But, apparently, he's got a really good that he throws to righties, like a back foot slider. So, he does have a little bit of swing and miss stuff like on that pitch to righties but otherwise he's a guy that's on 15 k's 21 innings he might be a contact guy too so i don't know man if you know the seattle mariners team might have three guys that throw 180 to 200 innings you know if they could stay healthy i think i could see it but i okay so i still don't think though 
that they're going to win their division. They could they could make the playoffs, but when you look at the American League wild cards, you're fully consumed with the Red Sox or Yankees taking one of those positions, and then beyond that, probably the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think I don't think the Seattle Mariners are going to be as good as the Tampa Bay Rays as the season goes on, which is who I'm going to talk about now because I do believe the Tampa Bay Rays are actually the real deal. So one of my favorite divisions to watch in all of baseball right now, or at least to keep an eye on, is the American League East. So as it sits, you have the New York Yankees, who are like this behemoth that have put together this amazing, you know, um, bullpen. And then, you know, they made some rotation additions with uh, James Paxton and J.A. Happ. But it's And then you've got like the Red Sox who, you know, are running at like a negative 24 run differential right now because their pitching is essentially like a father throwing to his kid in a home run derby and like bad things are happening all over there. But the Tampa Bay Rays have so much to be excited about. I know I've mentioned them a few times on the podcast, but as it sort of stands right now with Tampa Bay, they allow the least amount of runs per game in all of baseball, and they have the best ERA plus, which if you're unfamiliar really with that number, it's just a um, it's a rating that levels the playing field. It's a ballpark adjusted rating. So for example, if a pitcher like Nolan Ryan's age 46 season, don't ask me how I know this, but you do if you listen to the podcast, his age 46 season, his, OP, his ERA plus was, I believe, 106, which means that he was 6% above average. Average for an ERA plus is, you know, a 100. And the Tampa Bay Rays are third in that right now. And actually, if you sit down, I can give you that number. There, so the overall ERA plus as a team for the Tampa Bay Rays is 193, which means they're 93% as a team, 93% above the league standard in that number. A lot of good things to like about the team. Also, I wrote some other stuff down that I liked. Okay, their record right now in baseball, oh, the last time I checked was the second best record in baseball, and it might actually, yeah, it's still going to be the second best, so from a winning percentage-wise, the Mariners have the first best, so they're 13-3, and three. and then the Tampa Bay Rays are only 11-3 and three right now, so second best record in baseball. Jay Bruce right now is, like I said, he's Ricky Bobby, dude. He's got seven home runs, so he's hitting the ball pretty good. D. Gordon and Tim Beckham, dude, um... Tim Beckham, man, is playing like the first overall pick that he was. Like, it's pretty wild with those guys. But their starting rotation as it comes out right now looks good. It's young for the most part. You've got Charlie Morton, who was signed at a two-year, $30 million contract, who I think was one of the best free agent signings from a pitching perspective that you could get. If you want to know like a, the reason why a guy like Dallas Keuchel is unsigned, because Charlie Morton's were available for two years at $30 million. He's thrown 16 innings so far this season, struck out 21 guys. He's got a two and a quarter ERA, and he's already two and zero, oh, man. And he throws like he's twenty five. Uh, Tyler Glass now, who was a top guy, dude, in the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates system, and ended up getting traded or whatever. You know, they moved him around. So, and it's sort of like he's already thrown seventeen innings this season and only given up one earned run and struck out another twenty one guys. So, t- Tyler Glass now turns a corner because he was highly regarded in the Pittsburgh system, but didn't really plan out. He could be a number one guy, a very top of the rotation guy. Pair him with Blake Snell. You essentially have Blake Snell, Tyler Glassnell, and Charlie Morton. You look at those three guys, and if you can get to the postseason, right? Because last year, the, the only really good starting pitching that Tampa Bay had last year was Blake Snell, who threw about 180 innings with a sub-two ERA or like a really low two. 
But if Glass now ends up being a guy, they can put up close to number one, number two numbers like people thought he would at one point in his career. Pair that with Charlie Morton, who has huge postseason experience. You've got these three starters who can be paired with the opener that the Tampa Bay Rays like to use because Tampa Bay is very skilled in their baseball intelligence and doing more with less, right? And that's one of the things that's so impressive about Tampa Bay is that they're smarter than they they're they're smarter than any team probably in baseball as far as you know the personnel they put on the field and the um, the innovation you know that they create and they're able to do. But this year they've got really good starters. But on top of that, they got a guy named Yanni Chirinos who's only twenty five, who's also already two and zero in three and two starts this season, and then. You know, the opener they use a lot is Ryan Stanek. They use him a lot as an opener. Jose Alvarado could end up being one of the best closers in all of baseball this season. Ryan Yarborough is another guy that they also use as an opener. So these guys that I've named, dude, those are good pitchers that they've got on this team. They've got better pitching this season than they did last year. And last year, statistically, their pitching, I think, was rated pretty high. Yeah, last season, they were 10th in all of baseball and ERA plus. And they so they had good pitching last year. I might be able to get you their actual earned run average number and see how good that was. Mm, their ERA, oh shoot. Their ERA was sixth best in all of baseball last year across the whole team. So starters and relievers included. So last year you could safely say the data tells us and their 90 wins also tells us that they had good pitching last year, but this year they're even better because their starters are better and Jose Alvarado's better, dude. Hands down, the Tampa Bay Rays are the real deal. Okay, so if I had to build MLB power rankings, right? I'm putting Tampa Bay and Seattle in it. I'm inclined to I kid you not, man, put Tampa Bay number 1 or Seattle number one, but I, I, I don't think Seattle's going to be the real deal. I absolutely believe the Tampa Bay Rays are the real deal, right? If I got to put three other teams in the mix of this MLB power ranking, let's say I'm going to put Tampa Bay one and I'm going to put the Seattle Mariners two because Tampa's pitching is freaking phenomenal. So that's my number one and two. My number three in power rankings, man, mm, I'm going to go the Milwaukee Brewers because I've watched... Lorenzo Kane bat leadoff and Christian Yelich bat number two. And I've watched Josh Hader out of the bullpen. Those three guys are unbelievably scary for a starting pitcher to get up there and have to get low Kane one and Yelly two. It's bonkers the damage they're doing. Lorenzo Kane's hitting for power. He's hitting leadoff home runs. He's a phenomenal defender. Christian Yelich is basically the closest thing we've got to Barry Bonds at this point, minus the steroids and the bad attitude. Christian Yelich is so real. You don't want to face him, and he's as scary as what Bryce Harper is, right? And a lot of people, they shake their heads at me when I say that because many people think Bryce Harper is a joke. But Bryce Harper gets walked so much because he's so scary. And Yelich is full on in that territory right now. It's, dude, so <laughs> this is just completely wild, man. It's almost not even fair. Yelich is batting 377. Lorenzo Cain's batting 339. Low Cain's got a homer, and I think the one homer he hit was a leadoff. Yelich already has five homers. Um, OPS plus, Yelich is running a 209, 128 for Locaine. Dude, they're hitting bonkers, man. Ryan Braun, he's he's off to a slow start. Right? He's only batting 208, but he's got three homers, 12 ribbies. He reworked his swing in the offseason to kind of 
work on some launch angle type stuff. Ryan Braun's probably one of my least favorite baseball players because he's a Milwaukee Brewer and has a worst attitude. I hate him, right? He's a cub killer. But right, like if if he gets his swing down, man, and starts to adopt some of these methods that a lot of no names are to really rake, you could see a guy like Ryan Braun, who's 35, but he seems to be in good shape and could do some damage. Travis Shaw, obviously you got to like him. Mike Moustakas came back. Jesus Aguilar, slow start, but they've got maybe, they've got one of the best hitting catchers in all of baseball in Yasmani Grandal, and right now he's played in 12 games. He's batting 385 and slugging 718. He's already hit four home runs, dude. So I look at those guys, and then just knowing you have Josh Hader in the bullpen, you immediately, Josh Hader is the one reliever in Major League Baseball who is nearly a guarantee to shorten the game that you're playing right now. Like, if you thought you were going to get nine innings to beat the Milwaukee Brewers, we're all going to bed early tonight, kid, because you guys, you only have seven innings to beat him, man, because he can, you know, he can come in and get you the three outs, but he can also pitch three innings, too. So, because of that reason, I like the Milwaukee Brewers probably like in my number three spot. Number four, I have to go with the Dodgers. Right, and they're playing really good baseball right now. You know, they're only eight and seven, but they're hitting a ton of home runs. You got a guy like Jock Peterson who has so much potential to just rake. He's already got five home runs this season. His batting average is like so is like pretty Adam Dunnish right now at two thirty nine, but he's slugging six thirty. Right, so his numbers like his OPS and his OPS plus are well above league average. And when this guy came up in twenty fifteen in the first half of his 2015, people thought he was going to be NL Rookie of the Year, right, and not Chris Bryant. So there's a lot of power in there and a lot of really great leadoff potential that Jock Peterson can have, and he he's getting better, right? He's not going to be a 300 hitter, but he can hit for power, and that sort of thing looks good, right? A.J. Pollock out in center field, like he's, like power-wise, like he's off to a pretty slow start. Cody Bellinger, dude, Cody Bellinger is nuts right now, okay? We're talking... 8 plus 7, 8, 15, right? Okay, so the Dodgers have played 15 games. He's he's played, Cody Bellinger has played in every one of those games, right? He's struck out seven times and only walked seven times, right? If, if you ever, ever see a guy who's walking about as, as much as he's striking out, generally that's a good thing unless he's somehow struck out 200 times. But then if he's walked 200 times, that's pretty legit. He's bat 417 and slugging 900, dude, with eight homers and 21 ribbies, dude. Bellinger's the real deal. On top of that, Justin Turner, I don't know how he's going to look this year because he's getting older. He's an elite hitter. Corey Seager's elite. Kike Hernandez, dude, batting well over 300, right? These starters, like the, the hitters on this team, man, look pretty legit. And then you got guys playing off the bench like Chris Taylor, Alex Verdugo, and David Freeze. Don't talk to me about David Freeze. But David Freeze is a good dude, man, in the sense of he's good in that clubhouse, right? And it's their starters that I want to talk about, right? So look at what this offense is doing. But you say to yourself, well, if they're hitting all of these home runs, why the hell are the Dodgers 8-7, and seven, right? Well, for one, Clayton Kershaw is not going to make his first start until this Monday against the Reds, right? And we all know what Clayton Kershaw does in the regular season. Walker Bueller, he's 1-0 on the season, but he has an earned run average that's uh, a touchdown with a two-point conversion. So, like, that sort of thing's not good. They're going to get a full season out of Julio Urias this year, who... When he came up, when he was 19, was a top prospect. Just went down with an arm injury. Um, I've seen Ross Stripling pitch quite a bit. Like he can, he can throw a baseball dude and do really well. Hinge and reuse on the DL. Then you've got Kenta Maeda, and then possibly 
what I still think one of the most dangerous closers in Major League Baseball is Kenley Jansen. And right now, through, um, shoot, he's got five appearances, I think. What, let me look real quick. Uh, six six appearances, actually, dude. And he's finished five of those games. And he's thrown six and a third innings. And he's given up an earned run, man, and has not given up a home run, which is huge. Because if you remember last season, Kenley Jansen was having a hard time, and he was giving up home runs, dude. So put the, the Los Angeles Dodgers right fourth in my MLB power rankings. And then the fifth in my power rankings, none other than the Philadelphia Phillies. So with... The Phillies, obviously, like they had a lot of, they signed a really big free agent over the offseason, right? Andrew McCutcheon, former MVP. He's batting leadoff for the Philadelphia Phillies right now. And on top of a clubhouse presence, because Andrew McCutcheon is the funniest guy in all of Major League Baseball, he's batting leadoff and he's doing his job, right? He's drew 12 walks this season. Andrew McCutcheon is putting up an on-base percentage of 426 and slugging 524. He's only batting 262. So if one were to see that on paper, just the average, they would say, well, there's nothing special about that. But if you really want to get into like, you know, when people say batting average isn't everything, they're 100% right because if McCutcheon's got a 426 on-base percentage and slugging 524, that's phenomenal. Already hit three home runs on the year, man. I'm excited for the prospect of Andrew McCutcheon to put up a really good season this year. And I think he's in a position to do that because he's with a great team and a great manager. Gabe Kapler, managing-wise, doesn't even seem like the guy that came in as a first-year manager in 2018 and did a lot of weird things and, you know, like forgot to, like, warm guys up in the bullpen and, you know, stuff like that. Dude, and he's... um. Dude, he's coming to his own game. Kapler has as a manager, man. And so, you know, McCutcheon's in a good clubhouse, and he's in a perfect position to lead because he is going to bat leadoff every day and really set the tone because then you get Gene Segura batting second, who's batting 333. And then that's when everything goes down south because you got Bryce Harper, who seems, who's having a start that looks like 2015 Bryce Harper is going to be there. And you always knew it was there if he would reel in his strikeout rate because he gets walked so much so he wants to force the issue and really try to hit. And like I said, if I'm Bryce Harper, I don't want to walk because I've got one of the most destructive swings in all of baseball. I want to put the baseball 450 feet into the stands, dude. That's exactly what I want. But what's crazier, dude, is the guy batting behind Reese. I mean, shoot. I gave it away, man. The guy batting behind Bryce Harper is Reese Hoskins, who right now is running an 11.85 OPS, dude. He's got five homers and 16 ribbies with a batting average of 293, right? That's how he's coming out of the gate, okay? If, if that's going to hold, I don't really know. But I know last year he batted 246 and had an OPS plus of 125. Right now, that number is 200. He's not going to hold that all season long, but you can look at this lineup and look at McCutcheon's on-base percentage. Look at Gene Segura's on-base percentage and batting average. Then you get to Reese Hoskins, and then JT Real Muto, who actually is a slow start offensively. Let's not talk about him. Uh, Michael Franco's already got four home runs on the year, dude. This and He has over 1,000 OPS, dude. One through eight, right? 
on this Phillies team looks tough. And I really do think that Bryce Harper's influencing a lot of that, which I said he would. I said there's no other player in Major League Baseball, save Mike Trout, that influences the lineup like Bryce Harper can. And you are seeing it right now with this Philadelphia Phillies team. They're second in the division, but I don't really care, man. They're second in the division because the pitching has just got to get lined out, dude. Aaron Nola's doing weird stuff. He's sort of off to a crummy start. He's got an ERA that's a touchdown without the extra point. Over 15 innings and three starts. But, oh, Jakey Poo over here. Jake, I'm sweeping my floor in my underwear. Arietta threw three starts right now. It's two and one with a two and a quarter ERA over 20 innings. And... His ERA plus is 206. That's elite right there. He's a, he's his through his three starts. He's looking pretty elite, man. His walks. Well, really what's done it with Jake, man, is he's giving up a little less than a home run a game and he gets killed by the home run. That's a lot of what it is. His walks are still sort of high because he had a bad start. I think his first start, I think he walked a lot of guys and his strikeouts are down only 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but Listen, I'm going to tell you Jake Arrieta's game log right now. And I know Jake Arrieta's last start, he threw a clean seven innings and gave up one earned run. And I'm I'm all in on guys pitching to contact and saving their bullpen. And whether that's saving the bullpen for when they really need them, or if that's preserving your bullpen for the playoffs, I don't really know. But I love a starter. I love a starting pitcher that can pitch to contact because his pitch count will stay low. But then when he needs to and the bullpen needs a break, he could go deep into a game. So with Jake Arrieta starts, his past two starts have both been seven innings of baseball. And he had a start on April 6th that was seven innings, three earned, on 75 pitches. So he gave you length, but didn't throw a lot of pitches. But then his pass start just yesterday was seven innings and one earned, but he struck out eight guys, so his pitch count got up to 108. But otherwise, dude, Arietta looks like he's getting better at pitching to contact, right? And you need that out of Arietta if you want to maximize what Aaron Nola can do, which is be your number one guy and sort of have some guys to back him up. So the the Philadelphia Phillies would be fifth in my power rankings, and that's a strong number five right there. All right, so we're going to get some um, closing news going and close this show out. Chris Davis has extended his 0 for streak to 0 for 54, so he hasn't had a hit since last September, which was barely a double over someone's head that he hit off of James Shields, who's an awful pitcher. It turns out Chris Davis, when he hits the ball, he's hitting him pretty hard. And he can even he hits a lot of stuff opposite field too. He's not a guy that looks like he's been killed by the shift. He just what it looks like he'll do. The data says that he takes he takes pitches that go right down the middle and then gets himself in like o two counts and then swings his stuff outside of the strike zone. He'll strike out pretty close to half of the time and then he's walked I think uh, two or three times this season. Even scored a run, but he just can't get a hit, man. And I just. I don't, you know, I don't know with Chris Davis when it's too late and when do you finally call Jose Canseco and say, Jose, can you take time from your aliens and Bigfoot and help me hit a baseball? Because at this point, Jose Canseco on Twitter's offered to help Tim Tebow hit and offered to help Chris Davis at this point. And if you're batting zero and you're over your last 54 and will not take help from Jose Canseco, that tells you that Jose Canseco is 
bonkers, you know? And he, he's, he is totally officially out of his mind. I don't even think Jose Canseco, I, you know, does Jose Canseco have a better chance of finding Bigfoot or helping Chris Davis get a hit? For sure a better chance finding Bigfoot because Jose Canseco is just dumb, right? Chris Davis has to get a hit at some point. I don't know if it'll be today or not. But I, I do know this, man. It's um, His exit velo looks good, man. His hard hit percentage is good. He has had some bad luck th- this season, at least hitting line drives to people. But he strikes out too much, and he takes pitches he shouldn't take. I don't know how long this is going to go on. Like Zach Davies. Zach Davies is a Milwaukee Brewers pitcher who looks like he's not tall enough to ride a roller coaster at Six Flags. He is hitting better than Chris Davis is right now. So I'll tell you this. If Chris Davis goes 0 for 60, just call Jose Canseco, dude. What's the worst thing that could happen? Just let him help you, dude. I know my brother brought up a good point the other day, and I didn't know this, that Chris Davis had failed two amphetamine tests because he would pop Adderalls and say that he had ADHD. And since he's been off Adderall, he, dude, he... Failed an amphetamine test for illegally taking Adderall the year after he hit 53 home runs and was third in MVP voting, dude. If I'm the Orioles, man, and I don't know when this happens at some point where Major League Baseball teams just got to be like, if your production falls and you fail a drug test, like this contract's null and void, right? Because at this point, Chris Davis doesn't hit as good as a an, like an average hitting pitcher, and they're paying him like $93 million over the next four years, right? I think he'll get a hit, man. Baltimore Orioles fans were booing him pretty hardcore. And now they're, they're on his side big time. They have a lot of empathy for him and really want him to get a hit. And I, I do as well, man. I don't I don't want to make fun of Chris Davis and sit on here and be like, oh, call Jose Canseco or whatever. Like that is really all said in jest. Um, like I stand by what I said. Well, I, think, I think Chris Davis should have taken a whole year off of baseball to just get his mind right because it speaks to the mental part of the game but he still hasn't got a hit man um on a more positive streak Tommy Pham has been on base for 46 games straight now since he was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays he's been on base in every game he's played for the Tampa Bay Rays except two two if this isn't one of the best trades ever in Major League Baseball up to this point, like, I don't know what is, dude, because basically the Cardinals had a log jam in the outfield. I don't know really what they got back in return for Tommy Pham, but since Pham has been um, a Tampa Bay Ray, he's hit 370 and slugged 637 and has an on base of 466. They're probably like third, 36 and 15 with him in the lineup, something like that, something crazy. Tommy Pham's a good dude, man. I even read an article that talks about Tommy Pham being a dark horse MVP candidate. Because if you look at guys like Christian Yelich, no one thought Yelich was going to be an MVP candidate. When the Brewers traded for him, fans were pissed because they thought they gave up too much, right? And then now all of a sudden, dude, Christian Yelich is like the best player in the National League. And could, could Tommy Pham possibly be that guy? Well, I'll tell you this, he was like a six-something win player in 2017 for the St. Louis Cardinals, and that um, that thing on MLB Network where the shredder that ranks like the best at positions, like they ranked him as like the number one or the number two center fielder in all of baseball because that's the type of work he was putting in, right? And he basically just went to Tampa, and I guess he loves Florida, man. I don't know what they're serving him down there, but he's doing pretty good. Um Hold up, hold up, hold up. 
I was about to end the show. Chris Davis just got a hit. It's Saturday, uh, April 13th, and it's like 440 uh, PM. He got the hit like an hour ago or something like that off of Rick Porcello. So he came up top of the first, bases loaded, two out, hit hit one of Rick Porcello's fastballs to a right center field and drove in two runs. It was awesome. And naturally, the hit would happen off of a Boston Red Sox starting pitcher who currently, as a group, are doing really bad and running it like a negative 25 run differential as an entire team. So yeah, it took Boston pitching for Chris Davis to get it, but it was awesome, dude. The whole dugout was super excited. They held their arms up and everyone was cheering him. The crowd in Boston was cheering Chris Davis. He, Chris Davis was smiling when he got to first base, like a genuine smile and jokingly asked for the ball back. This is huge, man. And if he can get the ball rolling on this, I think Chris Davis could actually hit well this season because you look at a guy that has been through like the worst of the worst. And if he can come out the other end and laugh about it now, this is almost as if the whole world has acknowledged that Chris Davis is a really bad hitter and has gotten a really bad funk and isn't really holding up his end of the bargain on this contract. And with his exit velo and his hard hit rate looking good, if Chris Davis can just have discipline at the plate, he could actually be a good hitter this year. But I'm not going to jump the gun on it, but Chris Davis got a hit. Let's end the show. Have a phenomenal weekend, and I will see y'all next time. Take care. Also, actually, there's business stuff I have to do. Leave us a review. iTunes, Google Play, iTunes and Google Play and Facebook. Uh, Leave us a review, five-star review. Leave a really nice comment. And then this is a bribe. This is a bribe. So if you do those things, we'll send you a few free stickers free of charge. You don't even have to pay postage. I'll give you stickers for a bribe to leave a five-star review and say something nice about us on a review. And okay, that's it. In the show. This is for real. Good in the show. (laughs) I'll take care, guys. Have a great weekend. Bye.